and welcome to the Big Apple School podcast, the weekly English show where we speak about everything under the sun. The major goal of this show is to help you improve your English and, of course, learn something new. My name's Katya, I'm your host, and today with me... Benjamin. And... Natalie. Guys, you know, we're doing our best to be as useful for you as possible, and we would like to get some feedback about it. Subscribe to our pages on Apple, Yandex, Google, VK, or other platforms, and let us know what you think about our show. Rate and review our podcasts, give us stars, leave some comments, ask questions, and feel free to send your ideas about next episodes. It won't take much time or effort, right? But it will help us a lot to become even better. So, and now we have a very special guest, Natasha. You are here for the first time. Yeah, Welcome! That's great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank so, you so tell much. us something about yourself. So, actually, I'm from Novosibirsk. I was born here. And uh, yeah, I graduated from Novosibirsk State Pedagogical University. So, I've been working in different countries as well as in Russia, of course. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't know. What else can I say? <laughs> What do you like doing? What are your interests? Uh, I love music, obviously. Yeah, it's like one of my biggest interests, I think. I like traveling. I like learning languages. I've tried <laughs> learning so many languages, really. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. I think that's it. I can also add that uh, Natasha is a big coffee holic, just <laughs> like me. So That's so true. Yeah, definitely. All right, so and our topic for today is living and working in another country, because I know that all three of us have had this experience, so it will be very exciting to talk about it. So, Ben, let's start with you. So can you tell us where have you lived, worked, studied, maybe? Yeah, so I've studied in quite a few places. So at university, I did Italian and Russian at university, so... During my year abroad at university, I studied in Milan in Italy and I studied in Krasnodar in South Russia. And additionally, I worked in America for a while, which was a fun experience, which we'll talk about later. And I'm originally from London, England. I have a question not related to um, working and studying or whatever in different countries, but what made you choose Russian at university? Oh, God, that's a really good question. <laughs> I think I just watched way too much James Bond when I was younger. Oh, and now... Wow. <laughs> and uh, it's just... It, it's, there was no one particular event which made mm-hmm. me choose Russian. It's just such a cool language. I love how it sounds. It's just... It's just such a mysterious country. It's huge. There's so many intelligent people here. And there's oh. so many <laughs> beauties and tragedies. It's an amazing place. I'm just fascinated by Russia. I love asking this question to everyone who studies Russian because everyone has their own reasons. So it's fascinating to know about them. All right. So Natasha, what about you? Where have you worked, lived, studied? So I've lived in Indonesia for a little bit. Uh, then with Thailand, China, France and Scotland. Can That's you tell it. us about how long was that? Because a uh, little bit is, you know, a little <laughs> yes, bit vague. <laughs> so Indonesia was around three months. Thailand was for around a year. Uh, Scotland was for about six months. And France was just one month. Just one month. Oh, was it, uh, yeah, was it Bali China, in actually. Indonesia? Was it Bali? No, it wasn't. No, it's too mainstream, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You're <laughs> like, of <laughs> course, I could go there. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> Yeah, too mainstream. Too yeah, mainstream. kind of. No, I mean, it was a small city. I mean, just one million of population. So uh, it was called uh, Padan. It was in West Sumatra. So, 
Yeah. Ooh, it was no. pretty nice, actually. Yeah. I've never so, heard of it. That's fascinating. Yeah. So, and there aren't a lot of, like, I would say, people with white skin. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and uh, I was treated like a star, you know, all the time. <laughs> Did you enjoy it? I don't know. Sometimes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I would admit it. You enjoyed it. Okay. Okay. Fine. You all right. It. And then, what were the time frames? So, how long have you spent in Italy and in so Italy, I spent around six months there. I studied and taught English there. So oh, you was, taught English? Yeah, there it was well. more on the side. It was not a full time thing. But mm-hmm. I, um, so I did Italian at university, as I mentioned, and I did an art course there. So part of the part of my degree, I had to go to Italy to study something as long as it was in Italian. Mm-hmm. And on the side, I I did some tutoring in English. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I did tutoring for fellow 18-year-olds mm-hmm. when I was 18 at the same time. Um, so six months there, and I spent six months in, or five months in, Krasnodar. Mm-hmm. So what made you come there? I mean, was it um, an exchange student program, or you decided just to go travel, to go explore? So it was kind of like an exchange student program. Mm-hmm. So as part of my degree in in the UK. So I went to the University of Bristol and as part of the four-year language degree, mm-hmm. you have to spend the third year in the countries um, of which you have the target language. And yeah, so I spent six or five months in Krasnodar learning at um, Kuban State University. Mm-hmm. So that was a hilarious experience. I loved it. It was Hilarious. Amazing. It was Ooh, I'm intrigued. <laughs> so spent some time living in a dormitory. So uh Obshizitia. I can imagine. So, oh, I can't <laughs> wait to talk about it in more detail because we have a, you know a separate question about accommodation. Mm-hmm. Oh guys, wait for it. So and then you worked somewhere. You worked in the US. Yeah, I worked in Vegas for, for a couple of years and that was a fun experience to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> what made you choose Vegas out of all places in the US? So no, first, I'm sorry for, you know, interrupting myself all the time, but first, why the US? And second, why Vegas? All right, so I have a brother who lives in Los Angeles. So oh. so I'm originally from London, but my mum is American. Mm-hmm. So I'm really lucky I get to go to the states and my brother lives in los angeles and i visited him once and i was still figuring out oh what career should i do mm-hmm. and i visited him and i just fell in love with <laughs> with the whole area and it was so much fun I, he took me for a long drive to joshua tree which is this uh-huh. great national park and i just love driving on the highway out there it was so fun and so that's why you love the area cuz you can drive yeah you can drive and it's just the scenery is epic it's absolutely amazing so i just caught the bug and had to go out there that's fantastic because yeah. i i'm not a driver so i cannot drive so for me going to la would be impossible well i mean yeah. i could go there but i wouldn't be able to you know get around from yeah. places to places so that was a big problem for me. Well, maybe I could ask you, because you have family from Yakutsk, do they drive in Yakutsk and how do they start the car in such cold weather there? Oh, remind me to send you some pictures after the podcast. Because yeah. the you know how in Siberia, for example, there are special blankets you put on the uh, engine. Yeah. So it's like inside the car. So in there, you have special blankets that are custom made to cover the whole car. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So, you know, that's yeah. hilarious. That's thing. amazing. It's like a fur coat for the car. And then um, almost every single car has um, the system installed. So it automatically starts when it's minus 18 or minus 20, minus 25. You set it. Yep. 
so that it does not freeze overnight. And then also a lot of people have um, garages which are pretty warm. So yeah, surprisingly, but... So I once saw a video of someone making a fire under their car to start the car because it was so cold. I... Oh my God. I would not recommend doing that. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. not the best but yeah, do, people probably. drive and I honestly admire people who do that because uh, when it's minus 45 and lower, the visibility because of the fog is around 10 meters. So it's very difficult to see where you're going. So you just... It's basically like milk <laughs> is outside. In the air, you see nothing. Yeah. When you were in Indonesia, did you ever drive on motorbikes? Actually, or? I'm just like Kate. I don't drive. Yeah. I but it's a motorbike. To, or it's... did you ride on a motorbike? Oh, uh, yeah, I did and... actually. I don't have a license yeah. actually, so it was kind of illegal. <laughs> but I tried to. Yeah. And it's exciting. It's like totally amazing. Awesome. So you feel, you know, this freedom when you ride a motorcycle, a motorbike, I mean, yeah. Yeah, same thing. And yeah. it's like there is this wind around you and you just go in, you feel this freedom, this... I don't know, like how to explain it. You should just feel it, you know. It's amazing. So totally. you told us what places you have lived in, but what uh -huh. made you go there? How did you end up there? So I think uh, the first, uh, I mean, it was, actually it was France, but France was because I was learning French at mm -hmm. the university and that's why I went to France. But uh, my actual first kind of like travel was to Indonesia and I decided to go there because, you know, it's so exotic. It's completely different from mm -hmm. Russia. And I think it's totally amazing. All the nature and the people are different. And also it's an Islamic country. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's, I'm going to speak about it later a little bit. So yeah, and actually uh, first I wanted to come to India, but all my relatives, all my friends were against <laughs> that because it's kind of dangerous still for a girl, especially if yeah. you're alone there. Mm -hmm. So it might be not really safe. So I decided to go to Indonesia because safety is a little bit better there so yeah mm -hmm. i decided to go there yeah it was it was amazing totally what about thailand was that a because did you say you went to thailand yeah so how was that for a, a lady going to to thailand thailand is much safer actually than india or any other country i think and what so, part of thailand was it uh so it was Hatyai. so it's south of thailand mm -hmm. and it's right on the border with malaysia mm -hmm. and uh, it's yeah that's it so it's pretty amazing again like i could say so yeah and uh, it was also stationed there so yeah so you were teaching in all these in all these countries. yeah except for france and scotland obviously how did you end up in scotland and what were you doing oh, i i just went there for holiday but then i had to stay there for half a year because of the coronavirus because of this kind of pandemic so yeah it was just a necessity, I would say, but not such a bad occasion. I yeah, let's say. let's be fair. It's yeah. better to you know get be stuck in in Scotland yeah, or somewhere Scotland. else rather than you know in Ikutia, for example. Maybe especially in winter. <laughs> well, Yakutia is cool. I mean, personally, I would love to check out Yakutia, but true. I guess it's not everyone's <laughs> holiday yeah. destination. Must be beautiful. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I mean, it is it is beautiful. You have a lot of ice sculptures and everything, but very cold. So ice is very. the whole year there. I mean... Well, well, it, well, the snow melts by the end of April. The mid of April, the end of April, it depends on the year. Uh -huh. um, and then the snowfall starts falling in October. So but then... Pretty much the same as in Novosibirsk. The only difference is that in there there is continuous permafrost, which means that under the ground mm. it's ice. 
So yeah, from 400 meters to one kilometer in different areas of Yakutia. So that's why there will never be a subway ever. Yeah, I heard about this as well. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, compared to you guys, I'm so boring because <laughs> I have only on. lived and worked in the US. So only one country, only one state, uh, Massachusetts for two and a half years on and off. So I spent an academic year there, three months in Russia, another academic year there, seven months in Russia, and then another three months there. And now I'm stuck in Mother Russia for God knows how long. <laughs> no, co- Not complaining, not complaining. <laughs> But, you know, would love to have some yeah. certainty in life. Yeah, I know. So, Imagine. and let's talk a little bit about working. So, we'll discuss a whole lot of things, but let's um, talk about working. So, how is it different working in these countries from working in your country? Well, for Natasha and I, it's Russia, mm-hmm. for Ben, it's England. And let's start with the difficulties and differences. So, what can you think of? Mm-hmm. So, can I start? Yeah. Please okay. Do. So, uh, I think um, in China and in Indonesia, as well as in Thailand, probably. So, I was always feeling like, you know, a bit of an outlander, probably, because mm-hmm. uh, there are huge cultural differences. And uh, so, you can't actually just, you know, emerge in there. Mm-hmm. So, it's like mm-hmm. you feel a little bit like outside of their usual Mm-hmm. of all the other people yeah so you can't easily talk to them because most of them don't really speak English well so and that's kind of makes you a little bit stressed mm-hmm. I would say and the worst here was China I think because people just don't speak English there so if you meet a person who actually speaks good English or any English you're lucky so and uh, at work it was the same I think So not so many people spoke English. Mm-hmm. So even English teachers who were supposed to speak good English and teach English, they could never really understand me. So, and when I was like speaking to them, I was, for example, asking about my schedule or something like that, they were just looking at me scared and confused. <gasps> oh no. Yeah. Oh my goodness. How did yeah. you, how did you handle this? How did you go through there this? There were like, there were some people who actually could speak English mm-hmm. a little bit. So, and I managed to just... Know, communicate with them again using gestures, miming, mm-hmm. smiling, and so on. Do you speak any Chinese? Just a little bit. So I practiced a little bit. I learned Chinese for I don't know, like a year or something mm-hmm. like that. But that's not enough. Mm-hmm. Like, so you have to I don't know, learn it for six to seven years to actually speak it. And of mm-hmm. course, when I went to the supermarket, for example, in China, I could ask, for example, where is the water or Where can I buy something? So how much it is? Yeah. For example, how much is this? I don't know. Um, someone. Okay. So, and uh, they would understand me, but of course it's not enough for communicating with people. Did you ever yeah. come across someone who, in Chi- well, someone in China who only spoke Russian instead of English? Actually, yeah. Like I went to Shanghai, remember, in the hotel. So a guy just uh, talked to me in Russian because he heard me. I heard uh, that I was in, from Russia, yeah, and uh, he just talked Russian to me, and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> that's completely, you know, like you're in the middle, in the middle of China, and the person just speaks Russian to you. Pretty good Russian, actually. That's It must have cool. felt amazing. Yeah. So, and I found out he was like studying in Baku, mm-hmm. so and he had to learn Russian as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that was fine experience, actually. Cool. Yeah. I have another question to Natasha, actually. Uh-huh. 
although all three of us have taught in different countries. So have you noticed any difference in uh, actually teaching? So the difference in how students behave, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I think, I mean, both in Russia and in other countries, I usually speak only English during mm-hmm. the classes. And uh, I think, so there wasn't like a lot of difference, like in terms of actually teaching yeah the mm-hmm. teaching process but what surprised me in Thailand was the respect and the politeness that the students had to teach her mm-hmm. so they were you know always bowing to me anywhere they met me like like slightly mm-hmm. and uh, it was a bit confusing at first but then it was like also nice <laughs> I don't know yeah so yeah this is I think the most like the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Eastern, Eastern culture is much more regimented. Mm-hmm. It's much exactly. more structured. Exactly. <clears throat> and the teacher is always like a figure of that you have to yeah. respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Would you say in Russia it's kind of like a semi mix between European and Asian? Because I think, yeah. it's I quite think so. regimented here, for, at least from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Education is very structured here. Yeah. yeah, I would say it's it is a mix. What surprised me when I started teaching at um, at university is that, well, to me it seems that students in the U.S. are more hardworking because huh. they know the value of education. Well, also they pay a hell of a lot of money oh, for yeah, that. That's so, great. Yeah. you know, they have no choice but to. And in there, since um, you know, you have the GPA. So, and if you don't work hard enough, your GPA is low enough. So then, your future potential employer will ask you questions. Why is your GPA like that? Didn't you study well? Why? So they want to be successful. So they know that, you know, it demands hard work. Whereas in Russia, I see this attitude, which is, eh, I'll, eh, I'll go through this That's, somehow. You know, I learn everything uh-huh, the night before the exam, for example. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. That reminds me of China again, because... Mm-hmm. Like, people actually compete a lot there. So from young age, from, like, I don't know, the age of two or three years old, so parents try to give the best to their kids to, like, educate them the best way just to, I don't know, for example, I had students who were, like, three years old or even less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that's because they actually try to educate their kids the best way they ever could. So yeah, like they'll be a violinist like... and then they will... Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, no, yeah, so, that's my... <laughs> so, so they'll be like a violinist and exactly, then they will exactly. know yeah. some literature yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, and they always feel this pressure, you know, especially mm. older kids. Because again, they have a lot of exams. They have like this competing all the time and it's, yeah. again, it's really stressful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't re- like imagine. So were you teaching... Also. You know, little kids. I was teaching all the ages, actually. But small kids as well. Yeah, How... not my favorite part, seriously. Oh, really? How old were they? Uh, so some of them were like... I mean, the youngest was two and a half years old. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's like can, a baby. Can, can children speak at this age in, at all? They I'm can. sorry, I, I have no experience yeah. with babies. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, yeah. what age is it? So they can, you know repeat after the teacher they mm-hmm. you can form their pronunciation a little bit but sometimes it's it doesn't make sense because they don't speak chinese mm-hmm. almost at all and parents try to teach them some english so it's kind of yeah it's just confusing kind of it's mm-hmm. confusing exactly i mean exactly. maybe i think i'm right in saying that in scandinavia they start introducing kids to education mm-hmm. at a later mm-hmm. age because they don't see the point in teaching little kids mm-hmm. information that they're going to forget anyway 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think this is how parents um, act when they want to have bilingual children. But yeah, also, exactly. it's a little bit difficult to have in China, I guess, because English is not uh, spoken everywhere. If we compare it to Scandinavia, for example, where English is on TV, it's everywhere. So, mm-hmm. wow, two and a half. Oh, my God, that's such a little I mean, baby. yeah, it's mostly for, you know, just a little bit also to show off because they can say, oh, my my kid, for mm-hmm. example, is learning English. Mm-hmm. So here she can actually speak English, you know, which is fine. Of course, they can't speak English at all, but still. So, and parents are ready to give any money to put any effort in that. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. And what about difficulties? Hmm. I think, um, I don't know, actually. Again, probably that... Um, in terms of, you know, uh, when you work in China. Mm-hmm. So they really demand a lot from you. So they, mm-hmm. like, because, again, they have to pay a lot of money to, for, like, you know, to take you to China mm-hmm. to, like, make all these documents. So they spend a lot of money on that. So, and they want you to pay exactly. off. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> ben, what about you? Have you faced any difficulties working? Working? Let me just think. Um... Well, I mean, I've worked most of my life in the UK and, mm-hmm. in, and mostly in the US too. Um, I'd say in the UK, you have generally speaking like one month holiday. So four weeks, maybe three weeks holiday mm-hmm. a year. In the States, you, you're lucky to get a week. Mm-hmm. It's it's insane how much you work there. Um, yeah, when I went to Vegas, I worked in a hotel on the Las Vegas Strip, which is the big road mm-hmm. in the middle of Las Vegas. And yeah, you can work a lot of hours there. It's a... The work culture in America is very, very heavy. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe maybe it is kind of similar to... Well, not similar, but comparable to China where like people work in factories sometimes oh, yeah. for up to like 16-hour yeah. days. Horrible. That's true. Yeah, which yeah. is insane. But in the US, people work very hard too. Mm-hmm. Um, in the UK, it's a little bit more relaxed. I mean, people still work hard, but it's more relaxed. Whereas in Scandinavia and in maybe Germany, I think... Mm-hmm. It's a much more relaxed work culture. Um, also in the States, you have to also think about your health insurance and you have to think about all these oh other things. Yes, so yes. So it's a lot to think about in America. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love America. It's such a fun place. And yeah, it, it really is a pleasure living out there. But at the same time, it can be a huge headache. Mm-hmm. As you've probably experienced yourself. I, I was going to ask you uh, about Texas. Because when you start working... Inevitably, you have to deal with taxes. So, and for me, this is one of this was one of the biggest difficulties. Well, still is, um, which is dealing with taxes. Because in there, you have to file them, you, you know, yourself on your own. There's no one to help you. Well, unless you actually go to a lawyer and pay somebody to deal with it, uh, which I didn't because you know, still too expensive. So, and that was so hard to get through this bureaucracy. Uh, compared to that, health insurance was you know nothing it was so easy but yeah the 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 texas system was the most difficult moment for me yeah so so disjointed in america how you have the state taxes the the federal taxes and the local taxes too Mm -hmm. it's just so much to to contemplate Mm -hmm. in the uk you have council tax and then you have just general income tax Mm -hmm. so I guess it's divided too in the UK, but in the US, it's just more of a headache 
from my experience. I feel that it's also, you know, more of a headache when you are a foreigner. So you have not been familiar with the system, you know, through your through your life. Yeah. But you've mm-hmm. just come here and now you have to deal with it on your own. Yeah. I have also noticed one thing that I missed uh, when I was in the U.S. uh, compared to Russia. So in Russia, when you teach uh, at a school, you have some kind of a common place where all teachers can gather. You can have a chat. So you, you know, just have a friendly talk, get distracted. Like a a staff room. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But in the U.S., well, I was um, co-teaching and I was an assistant at universities. And in there, I have noticed that there was never a staff room. So each professor has their own office. So, and they're there. So if you want to talk to someone, you have to go to their office. Yeah. Hope that they have time or energy or wish to speak to you. And usually no one does. So usually they're they're at the office during their office hours, which are for the students, which means that you are kind of alone in there. So you don't have, you you can only chat to your colleagues during some events, maybe. But that's it. And I miss this, you know, communication. Yeah, the camaraderie and the, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I was working in Vegas, luckily, we had this huge staff room and this huge staff canteen. And it was really cool because at the hotel I was working at, they gave you unlimited food. Mm -hmm. So at lunchtime, I would literally go (laughs) go crazy on the burgers and (laughs) and everything else. But um, yeah, that that was a cool part of working there. So at least they had a staff room there. Mm -hmm. But I think maybe you're referring to like um, educational institutions, perhaps it's much more divided, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, divided whereby there's no staff room, there's no common area. Well, that's funny because like, you know, Every country where I've worked, uh, there was always a staff room. Maybe because again, it was it in was Asia. So you know. <laughs> yeah, because in Asia, again, they like gathering together, like talking, they like communicating all the time, having meals together. It's like one of the, I don't know, the most important things that oh, they really like. That sounds like. amazing. Yeah. That's what I miss. Yeah. That's what I miss, really. Yeah. All right. And what about accommodation? So (laughs) where did you live when you were in these countries? How did you find this accommodation? Actually, I was lucky here. So because any, all the countries actually where I came. So accommodation was Mm prearranged. So yeah. So So you didn't have to, you know. Yeah, I didn't have to actually look for it or just. And then be scared that you wouldn't be, you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. The same set in real life as in the pictures. Just once. I was like looking for an apartment once. It was in Thailand. And I just want to improve living conditions, you know. Mm-hmm. So I just looked around. I walked around the city and I saw several condos. Mm-hmm. So I just walked in and I asked if they have any, I don't know, mm. flats to rent. So that's it. So and yeah. were you able to rent a flat? I was. Yeah, I was. So what do you have to provide when you're renting uh, an apartment? So passport and sometimes they ask for some, you know, insurance. Yeah, medical insurance also. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it, I think. Well, so they ask for medical insurance. What, in case you trip and fall in the <laughs> probably, apartment and yeah. sue the landlord or something? I don't know, really. <laughs> yeah, probably that. That's, that's funny. Oh, yeah. Also, they asked for a working contract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. I'm not going to, like, go away 
any moment, you let him actually. Like, so in general, you can say that it wasn't that much of a pain in the neck to. For me, not. Oh, yeah, that's luckily. fantastic. Yeah. Ben, what about you? Where did you live? Um, in so all when these I places? was well, so when I was with when I was at university, it was pretty easy finding mm -hmm. the accommodation there. So when I went to Krasnodar, I as I think I mentioned previously, I stayed in a obshezitia, which is a dormitory. Can Aww. you tell us and more about that? that what did so it feel? <laughs> Oh God, I loved it. it oh, I, well, I loved it and there were some horrible bits to it as well. So as everyone, my favorite bit was when they shut off the hot water in the summer as as is a normal thing here in yes. Russia, I think. Yes. So you have two weeks whereby there's no hot water at all. So we all just shared this kind of, we didn't have like a proper shower. We had like this hose in a room. And, and so we just have to <laughs> use this hose. And the kitchen was um, an absolute mess. Oh God, oh, it was God. so horrible. There was cockroaches everywhere. Oh, and it was just, <laughs> it was, apparently we had the nicest kitchen. So the dormitory we were in had, I think, 15 floors and apparently our kitchen was the best kitchen well you know in and dormitories these you know they said the bar very low very low yeah. for this yeah and it was quite funny because they banned any alcoholic drinks inside the building and as if that ever stopped anyone yeah, and, but go on <laughs> and at the at the entrance you'd have two ohraniki so the mm -hmm. um, security guards and you'd always have to sneak in any oh. beer bottles or anything inside. Yeah, if you and, don't want them to be confiscated. Yeah, exactly. And they took their job very seriously. <laughs> oh, so it, it was funny. A few times I had beer confiscated. Oh, yeah. my goodness. You know, um, during my second year in the US, I was living in the dorm and uh, it was a lovely place. So yeah. it was mostly singles, then some doubles, and very rarely there was a tribal uh, room. And I loved how everyone was complaining. They said, oh, you know, on our floor, there are two bathrooms, one big, one small. Um, so we, well, my part of the dorm had, um, of the floor actually, had a little bathroom, which means two uh, shower stalls, two toilets. And people were complaining. I'm like, okay, look, let me tell you what a dorm is like in Russia <laughs> at the university where I studied. So compared to that, this is a luxurious place. Yeah. So, you know, when yeah, you have yeah. 20 shower stalls, you know, 10, 10, in, you know, facing each other, but with no curtains, no doors in, you're like, ah, love it. Oh, my God. Amazing. So you like, oh, so if you feel, un well, you always feel uncomfortable in these conditions, I feel. So... Yeah. What is it like? It is Russian university culture wild because, like in America, well, not definitely in England, it's absolutely wild. People, I, I wouldn't say it's, so. It's absolutely insane. Like you know how I see in movies how people party. Mm -hmm. Well, I used to see that in movies, and then I started teaching at an American university where every time there was a party um, at our college, people from MIT were also allowed to come. So every time we, well, the students had bets. How many times the ambulance is going to come for somebody who's a first chair and doesn't know how to drink? In Russia, I have never seen such wild parties. Yeah, because I didn't get that. I didn't see that when I was living in the Obshijita. Everyone was a very good student. Everyone was... I mean, of course, people had like these small little parties and gatherings. Yeah, but so it's like you and your friends, four, five, six people, but it's yeah. never yeah, not more wild. Yeah. yeah. Never anything and like pe that. Yeah, people in Russia appreciate... Well, from what I saw, at least, mm -hmm. it looks like they appreciate the education they have and they 
go there to study was in England the first year it's called Freshers Year and I think mm-hmm. it's the same in America too mm-hmm. and it's just a mess <laughs> it's just an absolute mess and well because in there uh well the first years they're what say 17 18 they've always lived with their parents and then yep. they're going yeah. away they so the freedom they, they yeah. feel yeah. the freedom so they start drinking but the thing is that they don't know how to yep. and i remember yeah. we talked about this uh with mike and ken in our podcast with alcohol i told them how yep. first years do not know how to and then you know they just take into hospitals. Oh they miss the classes yeah. because of that. Because just because they don't know to. No, I don't think it is like that in Russia. I feel like it's relatively calm. Yeah. Yeah. Not that crazy. So, yeah. Especially go, first year. Yeah. I feel like you go to clubs, you know, like drink there, but not as much. Like. I think we have the opposite thing, which is... Uh, first year students are, are always the most hardworking yeah. ones. That's true. This is their yeah. first year. They need to have good <laughs> reputation among the professors. They need mm-hmm. to prove that, you know, they're worth it. And then the further it is in the, you That's know. So true. And yeah. in, your fir- in your fifth year, you're like, ah, now cares? I can have a party. Yeah, Everybody knows me yeah. here, yeah. Because <laughs> in England, your last year, you're, you're, you're just studying. You just want to get that good grade. And you have yeah, a lot it's, of, yeah. It's exactly the opposite. It's, it's yes. hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, oh my so god that's true. so interesting so interesting mm-hmm. so ben what about the u.s i actually had a question about vegas because um when i was there i had a feeling that wherever you look is um hotel yeah so what about your accommodation accommodation so where did you live how did so you find the place? i lived not too far from the strip the big road mm-hmm. in the middle of las vegas and it was mostly a residential area, but it was two miles away from the Strip. So Vegas itself is actually quite a nice, it's a pretty nice town. It just gets so hot in the summer. It gets at I bet. filthy hot, like 45 degrees Celsius sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's so hot. But I found an apartment two miles away from work. So what's that, like, like three and a half kilometers, something mm-hmm. like that. So sometimes I rode my bike to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It was a little bit of a struggle at first because even though my mum's American and I am technically an American citizen, mm-hmm. I never really lived in America and I wasn't mm-hmm. used to how things went about. And I did not have a credit history. So to get That's a what I wanted to talk about, yeah. Exactly. So to get a apartment, you had to have a credit credit history. And of course I didn't have one. So I had to um yeah, I had to like ask old employers for references to, the, mm-hmm, to an mm-hmm. apartment and I had to sleep out of a car for a few days as oh, I was God. getting an apartment sorted oh. out but it was it was a fun experience because I was driving around enjoying mm-hmm. it it wasn't it wasn't too bad but yeah sleeping in the car was quite a funny <laughs> experience this is, what, yeah. this is what annoys me so much so the thing is that and I have noticed that too to to be able to rent an apartment you need to prove that you have a good credit score. Yeah. But for example, I have been in the US for two and a half years. I have my debit card, but I've never had a credit card yeah. in my entire life. So, and the thing is that in this case, I can't rent an apartment. So, and if I try to explain that, look, I don't need a credit card because what if I can handle my money? Yeah. I can save. I don't need a credit card. No, that's never a good explanation. So it's never good mm-hmm. enough. So they think... Yeah. Is that true that you handle your money that well? What if you're hiding something? <laughs> How yeah. it's uh so some people, I know that some people in order to get some credit score, they use their credit card 
instead of using the debit card. And then uh, at the end of the week, they just, you know, kind of reimburse. Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, that's yeah. what I did. Because I, I, I never, like yeah. yourself, I never had a credit card before. And I was so nervous when I first mm -hmm. had this credit card because I thought, what if I miss like a little bit of information in the terms mm -hmm. and conditions and... But, and the thing is that sometimes it can be, you know, a slippery slope. You think, okay, I'm just going to use my credit card, but then the debt becomes, you know, like bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger. Yeah, so, snowballs out. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so you need a credit history in America or else it's, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. So a good credit score in America is something like 740, so, 730. Yes. So you're okay. You'll, rent, you'll be able to rent an apartment fairly easily if you have that kind of a credit score. But it takes like at least a year to get to that point. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have a credit score and you're moving to America, just get some references. Mm -hmm. um, this like is what I'm a little bit afraid of. I mean, I don't have, just like with you, Natasha, I didn't have a problem because my accommodation was prearranged. Yeah. So the first year I was renting a room, but uh, my supervisor was the one who had worked with the landlord for, yeah. you know, six years before I came there. So there was not a problem. Well, with the renting, there were a hell of a lot of problems with the house itself. But um, and then the next year, I was living in the dorm, and the year after, um, I was living in the what is this faculty housing? I yeah. think so. There's a whole house for people who have come from different countries or different states. So again, I didn't have to worry about that. But I know that at some point, I might want to stay in the country and find an apartment, and that's when it's going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. So I need to. Start working towards that credit score, I guess. Well, uh, there's another thing. I mean, maybe maybe you've had a different experience, but I've I've heard that it's well, I've seen it's slightly easier for women to find apartments because there's a lot of listings online for women only, women really? only. Yeah. Why? So I mean, cause I guess I don't know. <laughs> a lot of landlords <laughs> think men are pigs or something. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> but um, from what I've seen in my experience. Um, in Italy and in the States is that there's a lot of adverts for um, female only, room to rent only for women. Interesting. You never Interesting, see only men. I mean, very rarely do you see that. I wonder I wonder why yeah. it is like that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I guess the women actually let in these apartments and it's more convenient yeah. for them. To it's probably that, know. yeah. They don't want to live with some strange guy <laughs> who they meet on the internet or something <laughs> so and what about public services so police hospitals post offices have you had any experience with those and if so what was it like mm, i mean yeah of course i've had such experience in all of the countries actually except for scotland probably and with police uh, and hospitals <laughs> no no no. i mean hospitals. you get arrested at the pub <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't had such experience, of course, yeah. I mean, um, I was speaking about hospitals, yeah. So, yeah, and uh, in Indonesia, in Thailand, and uh, yeah, where else? In China as well, actually, yeah, I had to go to hospitals for some, for different reasons. And they were pretty fine. Of course, it's like in Russia, if you go to the public hospital, mm -hmm. so it's going to be a little bit messier, it's going to mm -hmm. be a little bit dirtier even, yeah, but... The service is pretty good. What surprised me actually was that uh, doctors in uh, hospitals in Thailand were actually able to speak English, pretty good English. So I'm not mm -hmm. sure if like in Russia, many doctors in public hospitals can speak English. No. So yeah, probably Judging not. by the experience when we had a Fulbright here and he needed some help with the uh, documents to be able to run in the marathon, they don't. Yeah. 
so, so which is a problem. But wait, um, so is there free healthcare then in China and in Thailand and Indonesia, or did there you have is, some kind of a? There is, but not for me because. So, but I'm you had like a health citizen. insurance. Yeah, of course I had. Yeah, so but I still had to pay for it. So, they, but was it? So, for example, because I know that in the U.S., uh, when health insurance covers something, you still need. Uh, to pay some kind of a what is it co-pay. a deductible, yeah, copay or deductibles. Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard about this. So you no, had no, 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 nothing like that. So insurance can cover all of it, or again, if you go to the like private hospital, mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to pay by on your own. Yeah, by yourself. Mm. Yeah. So, so yeah. the whole thing then. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's so, interesting. So it only. So it's only working for the year. Exactly, yeah. So there was like a situation. So I was bitten by a cat and (gasps) I decided that, so it's kind of dangerous. It was in Thailand. Yeah. Was it a street cat? Yeah, exactly. That's a problem. So and I had to get the rabies injections. And in Russia, again, if you go to a hospital, it's free, of course. For citizens, especially. So but there you had to pay quite a lot of money i mean like not a lot a lot mm-hmm. but still so and uh, there were like five injections so yeah and it was interesting experience actually yeah i would say <laughs> yeah. yeah i wish uh, yeah i wish you didn't have this yeah. interesting experience <laughs> yeah. but yeah at least i have something to speak about yeah that's good then mm-hmm. any experience hospitals with- i'm just trying to think i mean i've been pretty healthy generally speaking um hospital I once went on a holiday to Croatia and didn't feel very good and had mm-hmm. to pay. I mean, yeah, obviously you have to pay money out there. So I, I got a chest infection, and oh. you know, which was pretty horrible. And at the time I was a smoker, which is a silly thing to do. Mm-hmm. Don't smoke, people. <laughs> and um, yeah, I had to pay. It wasn't that much, but it was about £30 worth. Mm-hmm. So what's £30? I mean... 30 pounds back then would have been much less in ruble mm-hmm. equivalent than oh, now. Yeah. Oh, I have a story about hospitals. Oh. Yeah, go on, tell me. So <laughs> the thing is that once... Um, all right, so one thing uh, you guys need to know about the US system. If you are ever in the US, you feel horrible. There's something going on, but it's not, um, you know, a car crash or something like that. Never call an ambulance ever in your life. That's what I told my friends, you know, who um, who were with me. I'm like, never call an ambulance. You better, you better Uber my ass to the yeah. hospital or take me <laughs> there. But never call an ambulance because yeah. the bill after that can be up to five thousand dollars just oh, for the wee wee yeah. car to take you there. So Why no. is it so expensive? Like, because it's the US. I guess this is the only <laughs> yeah. explanation. I honestly do not know. And the thing is that it can be covered by the insurance, but you never know which company runs the oh. ambulance, you know, that comes to take you. Yeah. So in once my friends had to take me to the ER, to the emergency room, because I had um, I had a fear that I had uh, a dislocation, my jaw, a jaw dislocation. What happened to your oh. jaw? How? That's another story that I'd rather oh, not I'll tell, but, uh, <laughs> but the thing is that, okay, so, uh, you know, this feeling when you are eating something, especially yeah. when it's something like a burger. So, mm-hmm. and you have to open your mouth really wide and yeah. it can, it, well, with some people it can click and oh, you can't yeah. really close it. So, and I had this horrible pain. I was crying. Oh, I could not God. really close my mouth. So it was like click. So you well, just had an open mouth or... Well, basically at, at some point I was able to close it and open it, but it was horrible pain. So I thought, what if 
what if I dislocated it? You know, things happen. So my friends took me to the ER. Um, they got my information. They uh, had, well, I had an x-ray. They gave me something like Tylenol and a bill for $1,000. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Good. Never in my life had I had a Tylenol that expensive. But the thing is that uh, what was interesting for me is that at some point, the nurse and the doctor, they asked my friends out. So, and then they asked me, was there any violence involved? Should we call the police? I'm like, no, 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 that, that, that's okay. There was no violence. Everything's fine. They're like, are you sure about this? Mm. I said, yes, absolutely. Two days later, I got a call from the hospital and I picked up the phone. They said, Katrina, hello, this is Massachusetts General Hospital. We are calling to ask about your condition. I said, thank you. It's very nice. I'm okay. Do you still stick and stand by what you said that there was no violence? Do you want us to call the police? And Whoa. I said, no, ab- well, no, it's fine. So, and that was something surprising for me because in Russia, even if you want to file, you know, a report for domestic mm-hmm. violence, yeah. you'll never mm-hmm. be able to do that. Well, that's but really in there, nice, actually. Whoa. And the thing is that that one visit, um, the consequences, I would say, lasted for half a year when I had a bill. The next bill was for 1100 And I said, excuse you. So I had to call the hospital. By the time I did that, I had another bill for 1200 this time. So I had to call them and say, hey, you, I have an insurance, you know, which is pretty good insurance. They said, oh, but we can't find your information. I'm like, oh, how unfortunate for you. So here's here it is again. So I had to send it to them again and again. By oh, the God. time they actually got the information, my bill was 1500 but since I had the insurance, insurance company covered all of it. So I only had to pay the copay, which was $50 for the visit to the ER. It's, yep. well, a necessary payment mm-hmm. when you go to the ER. But yeah. That's insane. My only visit to a uh, hospital, hospital to the ER. But yeah. Actually, I got a little something. My brother, he lives in Los Angeles and he he's like myself. He, he's he was brought up in the UK and he was yeah he was in Los Angeles and he played football every weekend or mm-hmm. soccer as they call it in America but he played football every weekend and he injured his knee somehow oh. he went to the not to the ER but just to a general practitioner just to a normal doctor and yeah he thought it wouldn't cost much he thought it'd just be like 50 bucks mm-hmm. or something like that just to check the knee put um, to use the little what is it called? The hammer? Mm-hmm. The oh, little yeah. hammer, yeah. whatever the instrument's called. You got a bill for 800 bucks. Welcome to the, um, yeah. to the United States. <laughs> yeah. Just, you, better yeah. Not, you better not get sick over there. Mm. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So um, have you had any other interesting stories, situations with any of the services? Services. Because if not, I can tell you a story how I called 911 twice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> tell us. Please yeah, tell God, us. We like 911 like stories. <laughs> well, um, to our listeners, if you want to listen to the first one in detail, listen to the podcast about domestic difficulties because there was a problem with the pipes. The second one um, was actually this, well, not this spring, but spring 2020. So when the uh, quarantine, you know, started, um, at some point, I smelled gas. Yeah. So, and that sometimes happens when you have a gas stove and you cook. So after that, I used to, you know, just open my windows and that was fine. So I did the same thing. I opened my windows. I went to sleep. Four hours later, I woke up. It was 6 a.m. or 5 or 6 a.m. And the smell of gas was still there. And I realized that I was feeling sick. So I was very nauseous. So I decided that that was not a good sign. I went outside um, and I live in a 12 apartment 
house. So there was no smell of gas in um, most of my apartment. There was no smell of gas outside in the corridor or something. So I went outside. I called 911 because I didn't know who else to call at 6 a.m. or -hmm. what services I need. And I said, hi. And I love that they were very polite and very calm. So, you know, they asked me, what's your emergency? And I said, I don't know who else to call, but there is a very strong smell of gas in my apartment. So they said, don't worry. Just give us your address. You know, the fire department will be there shortly. Five minutes later, I had um, two fire trucks outside the house and they came in and they said, you're absolutely right. There was a there was a gas leak. So, but since it's an old house, um, the, uh, you know, the gas control or something was not in the apartment, but somewhere in the basement and they didn't know where. Yeah. So they had to call the university services, ask somebody from there to come to the house, you know, switch it off, deal with it. What surprised me is that all that took 40 minutes. 40 minutes later, they were gone. Everything was okay. Oh, wow. But yeah, so I had very good experience with 911. So. And they yeah. didn't charge you. No, no, because it's... <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's, yeah of course. Yeah. I, mean, I, so, had, yeah. I had a crazy... A few crazy stories in America. So there was... I When I was living in Vegas, right next to my apartment, I lived next to this flood channel. Do you know what a flood channel uh-huh. is? Mm-hmm. All right, so... Inside the flood channel, there's a network of tunnels and a lot of homeless people live in these tunnels. And one morning I was just um, sitting in my apartment and I just saw all this smoke coming out of the flood channel. Get out. And then I just saw um, this little, yeah. So I saw the smoke coming out of where the local homeless people live. And I I just called the fire brigade because I thought, God, there's probably someone like burning Mm -hmm. in there or something. And, And the fire brigade came and they just looked at me and they said, this happens all the time. Like you don't, you didn't need to call us. And I said the smoke was intense. It was the biggest. It wasn't like a little barbecue smoke. Uh-huh. It was huge. It was like a huge smoke cloud. And um, maybe some people could have been dying in there. And they said, "Yeah, they always make fires down there. That's just what they do." And, oh my goodness! <laughs> I would freak yeah. out. Of course, yeah. There's I a lot of homeless would. people in Vegas. It's, it's sad, but um, yeah. If you live in Vegas and Los Angeles, you're going to encounter a lot of crazy, crazy people everywhere. Same with San Francisco. Yeah. I remember I was shocked by the amount of homeless people. And at some point I was walking down one street, saw things I wish I could unsee, of course. But um, in some small street, really, I counted 22 people, just, you know, homeless people. Yeah. On the yeah, ground. The same so as Scotland, was, actually. Yeah, I was surprised by how many. Scotland! People. Exactly. You surprised. wouldn't expect yeah. because the yeah. climate is not that, you know. Exactly, exactly. But yeah. they just, you know, uh, have a lot of clothes on them and oh they just goodness. sit there, like, asking for money. In oh Thailand, yeah. on the other hand, there weren't, like, any. There was one beggar, actually. He lived just next to my apartment and he was just always there, like, sleeping, relaxing. So but you're going by, like, hello there. <laughs> How's your day? So yeah, and uh, he was like, you know, like a usual person there, Mm -hmm. I could say. So he was always there and people kind of, you know, got used to him and Mm -hmm. it was fine. But just one. Just Mm -hmm. saw one person for like the entire year there. Mm -hmm. But in Scotland, like every corner there was a beggar. So it was like really surprising. I would not expect that. I wouldn't. Oh, I've got another little quick story. So okay. I was sitting in my apartment in Vegas once after, actually it was before work, and I heard this water flowing from somewhere and I thought, oh God. Never a there- good sign. Yeah, I thought, oh God, is there like a pipe burst or something? And it was coming from right outside my patio, outside my apartment. 
And I, I just went straight to the door, looked outside the door. Um, yeah, the little door um, viewfinder mm-hmm. thing. And there was this lady peeing on my door. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and, I and, would say that yeah. I am shocked and horrified, but also this is Vegas. And this is, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, so. uh, and it was this homeless lady and I opened the door and I was... <laughs> <laughs> Were you sure you wanted to open the door that she was peeing I, on? I didn't know she was peeing on the door. Oh. I first, so, so I opened the door and I realized she was peeing. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, my God. Yeah. What wow. did you do? Like, was, did you say I, something to her? I, like, to be honest, I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, get out of here. <laughs> I could, it, it was, oh it was so disgusting, goodness. but it was so funny too. And really? Yeah. I, w- I mean... <sighs> I'm not going to beat up a woman, am I? <laughs> but that was, yeah. Yeah, I guess you can story. write a book, you know, about living in Vegas. You can live yeah. there long enough. There's, there's, you see a lot of funny stuff, yeah. I, be, I believe, I believe. I'm kind of curious now, you know, yeah. to go there. To check <laughs> there are actually so many people it's like, like that. like a human safari. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, especially after the sun goes down, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah, you see <laughs> Things <lot>. you see. <laughs> All right. I also have a question. Well, I think it's mostly, no, actually it's both to both of you, but um, what about food? So was there anything surprising or did you have to, you know, um, did you have any difficulty, you know, getting used to the local food? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So when I first came to Indonesia, actually, uh, I wasn't used to eating spicy food. I mean, like Mm -hmm. most Russians don't usually eat a lot of spicy food. Yep. So and every dish was like extremely spicy to me. I couldn't eat anything seriously. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but eventually I got used to it, and now I like. Seriously, you can get used to spicy food. Maybe I don't know. You burn out. (laughs) out. Taste buds just. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have them anymore by by the end of the month. (laughs) Yeah, but now I love spicy, really. So it's like, and in China it was different. They also like spicy food, but I was used to that at that Mm -hmm. time already. But they add a lot of chemicals to food. So Mm. and every time I ate anything, like for example, I ordered even like some kind of soup. Mm-hmm. And still, I felt bad after that. Oh. So I could have stomach ache. I could have, I don't know, heartburn. I could have, you know. So like plastic no. soup. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, they still add a lot of like seafood there, mm-hmm. a lot of vegetables. Yep. But still, I mean, I maybe think, it was just my I reaction. I think it's called MSG, monosodium yeah, glutamate, yeah, yeah, yeah. something like, like that. To, mix, to make mm-hmm. the taste yeah. more intense. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, we have this sodium glutamate added to a lot of things here as well, but maybe not not to that extent. Or maybe it has some kind of a different structure. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so I still ate in the cafes, but Mm -hmm. I prefer to cook something on my own, like, I know. Some soups, just broccoli, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. So did you mostly cook something that you're familiar with then? Uh, in the end of, like, my time there, yeah, I was mm-hmm. just cooking on my own, mm-hmm. myself. Uh, what about you and your time in Russia and Italy? <laughs> well, so far, all I've eaten is pelmeni every day. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> no, I love pelmeni. I can't, it's, it's kind of hard to, to get sick of them. They're, they're great. Oh, they're I really love good. them. Um, what else? <laughs> Pelmeni. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny yeah. how um, you come to Russia and all the food that people like, I mean, we Russians like yeah. a lot. Um, well, unless you're a vegetarian is you say to people, it's been menu. What is it? Oh, it's well dough and meat inside. Then you yeah. have mante. 
what is it? Oh, it's <laughs> dough and meat inside. And then yeah. we have <laughs> samsa, chibudi, yeah. what yeah. else? Pilash. And everything yeah, is dough different. and meat. They're well, yeah, you can't, you can't yeah. mess up with, you know, well, you can't do anything wrong with dough and meat. Yeah, it's still delicious. Well, it's kind of yeah. like eggs and, and bread in America and England. Probably. So, so many different yeah. combinations. Of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So did you, when you were in Russia, did you um, cook or did you go out and eat? Are you talking about when I was in Krasnodar previously? Well, yes. Well, yeah. and now. Yeah, now. I mean, to be honest, now I've, yeah, I've been, I've been out to a few places. I went to, well, it, was, it was mainly Asian food I've tried mm-hmm. here. Um, the first time I was in Russia, that was, yeah, I ate actually a lot of, um, I think it was like Muslim cuisine because Krasnodar is not, too far from the mm-hmm. Caucasus and they have halal a lot of halal mm-hmm. dishes oh, around yeah. there. Yeah. Right. So a lot of things in wraps, a lot of mm-hmm. things in a lot of chicken and rice. That was actually really good. So I had a lot of good chicken and rice. Um now it's just pelmeni. <laughs> Wake up pelmeni, sleep pelmeni. Wow. Well, I'm sure if they said borscht, right? Yeah, borscht. I love borscht. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> kind of takes too long to cook though. Sometimes yeah. it does so take like, a while, yeah. Just like cooked some in Thailand. I just, I love Thai food. It's really good. Like, seriously, I just love it. So, but sometimes you miss Russian food, mm-hmm. obviously. And yeah. I just uh, bought some beetroot, some mm-hmm. meat, and I just cooked some. So then I did some Russian friends over and we just enjoyed it mm-hmm. so much. I remember when, um, so when I was in the US for the first year, I was um, on a program, Fulbright. So I got a Fulbright grant. So... 35 of us were in different states teaching Russian as a foreign language. And the thing is that so many other people were missing Russian food. They're like, guys, I miss buckwheat. I miss yes, pelmeni, yes. things like that. Exactly. And they asked me, like, don't you miss Russian food? And I said, look, I live in Massachusetts where there are so many Russians and I have four Russian stores within a 50-mile radius. So whenever I wanted some Russian food, I would just go there, buy whatever I needed because you can find oh, yeah. everything in there, even pastry. So, you know, the honey cake, it's there. <laughs> Pilmeni, what kind of a meat do you want inside? Whoa. So like 15 different varieties. So I never had a kind problem of, with that. Yeah, the same in Scotland. So in Scotland? They're not, they're not Russian shops, but they're like Eastern they're European. Polish shops mm-hmm. or Serbian shops or something Well, you like know, yeah. our East, Eastern European brothers and sisters have <laughs> yes, done it for us. Yeah, sure. Oh, that's so interesting. But I remember, again, um, when I was cooking, I was surprised by the variety of vegetables in there. You know, I was like, what is that? I have never cooked this. I have never eaten this. In a, and then there were also a couple of Indian shops in the neighborhood. So I went there and there were so many vegetables and fruits that I had never heard of before. So I love this experience. Yeah, I love really. Indian food. In London, oh, yeah. there's a lot of great Indian food because mm-hmm. it's a huge... Yeah, and Scotland. Yeah. list, yeah. Huge, Same in the US, yeah. but you know, they say that there is Indian food and then there is uh, white Indian food, as oh, they yeah. call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, which is a little bit different. Same goes with Thai and Chinese food. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. It's hard to find like really good Thai food, even in Nosferisk, although it's possible, of course. Mm-hmm. So, and what about. Um, the f- your free time so was it the way that you spend your free time was it any different from how you usually would you know spend it in your country I'm, I think in Ch- um, not in China in Thailand it was different in terms of I was traveling a lot mm-hmm. so like almost every weekend we're going somewhere to <gasps> see you know yeah Beautiful am I jealous nature. no am I lying <laughs> yes 
go on. <laughs> yeah, it's like beautiful views, beautiful scenery. Oh my god, I miss it so much. Mm-hmm. Also the weather, the climate. It's mm-hmm. my favorite, I think. Really. So yeah, in China it was a bit different uh, because I lived in a small city and there weren't like so many foreigners there. Mm-hmm. So uh, like once a week on Saturday, usually on Sunday. So we gathered together in a club or in a bar, mm-hmm. just spent time together. So something mm-hmm. like that. Lots of drinking usually because again, a lot of pressure and people just had to vent. They needed you know. to de-stress. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So. Ben, what about you? Well, in London, I usually go on my bike a lot. Me and my mm-hmm. mates always go out on our bikes and we ride to all sorts of places. Here in Novosibirsk, it's a little tough. Um, now, <laughs> Now, yeah, it's a little tough. Well, wait, but... wait till it's summer. Yeah. Surely. It's I want to bit... get a bike. I want to get a fat bike. It's one of those bikes with the really fat oh, yeah. tires. I'd mm-hmm. love to get, because then you can ride it in the winter too. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do that. But I wonder what it's like riding on the roads here if, if the drivers are used to giving way to cyclists or not no not really. it's <laughs> yeah. a little so that's why it's a little bit dangerous here yeah definitely yeah. so but yeah i know some people who actually go everywhere by bike uh but they usually try to uh stay away from the road yeah because the the drivers i do not know if you if you have noticed but drivers in Novosibirsk are pretty aggressive mm-hmm. so and i remember before coming back to russia i said oh i need to get a driver's license so i'm gonna do that in russia i came back i finally you know started to see how aggressive everyone yep. is and i said nope no nope, never never in here because yeah, yeah Just a quick question know. is it legal to ride your bicycle on the pavement here in russia are you allowed to do that yes by law? yes but you need to be careful because there are a lot of people of course, yeah. but yes it's absolutely because in the uk yeah. you're not allowed yeah. to do that oh, most, on most pavements. yeah, yeah. So you have well your, since yeah. we don't have bike lanes in here so mm-hmm. where else it's yeah. either the road which is dangerous or the pavement. So one of those two. All right. (laughs) And I have one last Uh topic to talk about, which is culture shock. We've kind (laughs) of mentioned it in a way. So would you say that you had, well, I guess we all had a culture shock, you know, to some extent, but what was it like for you and how did you deal with it? How did you go through it? Okay, yeah, I think in Indonesia, like, it wasn't really a culture shock, but it was a bit unpleasant when, you know, you walk down the street and on every corner people just cry to you, bule, which means, like, foreigner mm. or outlander yeah. or stranger. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it's really annoying. Was it was it more in a good way, like, that they shouted that, or was it, like, an insult? It wasn't really an insult, but it was kind of like, you know, so they've noticed you. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they oh don't God, I, as well. I bet you get yeah. tired of this. Exactly, yeah. Like, for example, I was going uh, to work like every day. So, usually, actually, my assistant, yeah, I had an assistant there, kind of manager, I could say. Ooh, yeah. fancy. The same as in China, actually, but in Indonesia, they paid much more attention mm-hmm. to me and to like actually taking me places mm-hmm. and so on. So yeah, and uh, um, there it was like, you know, you go to work and at least four or five people yell to you, bule. Oh. Yeah, and it's like, oh my God. And also they like, all of them want to take pictures with you. Mm-hmm. My colleagues, people in the streets, like everywhere, they just want to take pictures with you. It must you be because... overwhelming, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So you can't like feel at ease, you know, at any times. Yeah. Because... 
Well, I've heard people who go to India. I mean, there's a lot of beggars out there, and, mm-hmm. yeah. and people get followed by like crowds of yeah. beggars and asked and, for money. Yeah. yeah, and obviously you want to help people, but at the same time you can't help everyone. Absolutely, and you just Absolutely. have. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, in Indonesia, they don't actually ask for money; they just they pay attention to you, mm-hmm. lots of attention. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, go on. Go on. No, no, it was just about China, but I've already talked about it. Yeah, so, again, there is, like, this huge China, Chinese firewall. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you don't get to use Instagram, Facebook, Google even. All exactly. Right. Exactly. Did so, you have a VPN when you went out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew about it, and I mm-hmm. downloaded, like, I know, four or five VPNs. So you were but, prepared. Yeah, but only one worked. Mm-hmm. So, and oh my goodness. I remember I just landed in China and I was trying to, I don't know, text my parents, text my friends that actually I'm in China, everything is good. And I was trying to use WhatsApp and like I used VPN and like I tried four of them. None of them worked. Oh. So just one worked and I was like, thank God. Oh yeah, my but goodness. It, was it must have been stressful. so stressful. Yeah. And all the time again, you feel kind of isolated. So because you don't get to communicate with your friends a lot. And again, this VPN, which worked for me. Mm-hmm. So it didn't work all the time. So it worked like, I don't know, in the morning, in the afternoon mm-hmm. sometimes. But in the evening, it didn't really work a lot. So what, so, yeah. um, if we talk about Asia for a second. So what tips would you give to someone who's going to teach English there? So mm-hmm. how to deal with the culture shock? How to go through this? I mean, if you go to Thailand, it's not a lot of culture shock. Yeah, people are really nice, people are friendly. So food is pretty good and familiar because people like mm-hmm. eat uh, Thai food in Russia mm-hmm. a lot. So Indonesia as well, I think it's it's fine. But China, yeah. So you need to prepare, again, this mm-hmm. VPN thing. So probably lots of books for you to, you know, to kill mm-hmm. time because you will get a lot of free time and... You probably won't have a lot of friends at first. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you must have some hobbies. Mm-hmm. Again, to kill time. Wow. So, yeah. Ben, what about you? Have you ever had a culture shock? Well, of course, of course, it's a shock coming to... A, I mean, Russia is a very different place. It most is. places. But I'm, I really wanted to be here in the first place. So, mm-hmm. even though things are very different here, it's still... I, I'm fascinated by everything and how everything works. Um, when... Before I arrived here, I didn't know if I was going to have to find an apartment on my own. Well, obviously, um, I have great assistance with the school, the Big mm-hmm. Apple School, and their assistance has really helped a lot. So I'm, I don't have to dive straight into the deep mm-hmm. end. So I don't have to deal with a landlord or anything like that. So that, that's great. But if I hadn't had chosen to work at the Big Apple School and chosen instead to work freelance, that, mm-hmm. that might be a little too overwhelming because... I can say a few words in Russian, I can get by in Russian, but I can't speak it to that, to such a level mm-hmm. where you can really negotiate things mm-hmm. with a landlord, etc. Mm-hmm. So it, do, it does depend on your workplace mm-hmm. and what, what you're doing. If you already have a prior, like a previously organized set mm-hmm. of circumstances or not. So yeah, it all depends. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you have any tips for those who are coming to Russia? <laughs> those coming to russia well of course dress warm <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that goes without saying fair enough yeah it goes without saying um just yeah just um don't don't be too worried it's not as scary I mean, as people make it out to be mm-hmm. people are actually quite friendly i mean mm-hmm. obviously 
people don't smile quite as much as they do in the West, but people are actually really friendly, I've found. Mm-hmm. So don't don't worry too much. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd say. Yeah, don't worry too much without reason to. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I had uh, an interesting experience with the culture shock. So the thing is that before we set off to the US, we had a pre-departure orientation where we were told the following thing. Uh, our supervisor said, I know some of you have been to the US. I know you think, oh, I speak the language. I won't have any problem. But trust me, every single one of you is going to have a culture shock. And we said, come on, not us, not me. And I was the same dumb person who said, well, who thought that. And I um, came to the US and everything was marvelous. I could understand everyone. I didn't have any kind of a language barrier. So what can be the problem? But then uh, two or three months in, um, the culture shock started to kick in. I do not know what was the reason. Maybe it was everything at once. The fact that I didn't have friends. Everyone was friendly, but not friends. And actually, this is the first time I'm telling the story. Wow. Um, so, and the thing is that I uh, got into a relationship. I got like started to dissolve in it, you know, because I didn't have anyone else. And um, in the end, it all just went you know, my mental health went down the hill with the culture shock because of the culture shock. So, and yeah, and I had to deal with the consequences because I didn't get help at first for more than a year. So I had to go into therapy to deal with that. And I do not know what that was. Maybe that all started because of not having friends, feeling lonely, having a different job. Because let's say here in Russia, I was teaching English. I was responsible for the classroom. I was, you know, the main person in the classroom, basically. In there, you have a different job. You are just an assistant. And then I had to switch from teaching English, which I had been doing for five years by that time, to sw- to teaching Russian, which I had no experience in. So I think that all just, you know, got combined. So yeah, and I um, I remember after that, when I was at a conference, a Fulbright conference, I said to people, if you're going to the U.S., to work, to teach, especially as a Fulbrighter. And I guess that works with any other profession. The main um, thing for you to remember is never be afraid to ask for help. So if you start to realize that you get anxious or depressed or something, please reach out. So don't be dumb like me. So, yeah. All right. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) And um, I have a question to our listeners now. So if there is a country that you really want to go to, to work or to live, please let us know in the the comments section. And if you have had such an experience, also please share. We would like to hear your stories as well and to talk a little bit about it because it's always a fun, you know, fun topic to talk about. Well, all right. And that was the Big Apple School podcast. And today we discussed living and working in different countries. We talked about all different aspects of it, such as difficulties, culture shock, food, hobbies, free time, finding an apartment, crazy stories, and our experience with hospitals and 911 in my case. Well, um, thank you for listening. And remember, if you struggle to understand our conversation, you're always welcome to our website, which is bigappleschool.com slash podcast, where you can find full scripts of each episode so you can read it while listening. Cool, right? Also, if you want to get more content which will help you learn English, you can follow us on the social media such as Instagram, VK, YouTube, Telegram, and so on. Just search our name, which is, again, Big Apple School. So that was Katya, and my guests for today were... 
Benjamin. And Natalie. Stay tuned and we'll see you around. <laughs>